Welcome to the Project Future podcast for people looking to launch and build their own amazing business. With me, Rob Kerr. A few years ago, I asked myself, how can people considering starting a business be confident they are making the right decision? And how can they improve their chances of success? The answer has become my book titled Project Future, Six Steps to Success as Your Own Boss. A Facebook group called the Project Future Club, where we support each other to launch and build our own amazing businesses. And this podcast, where every Tuesday, a business owner shares their story, including great tips about what to do and what not to do when launching or growing a business to empower you to make better decisions on your own journey. You'll find the show notes and transcripts at robkerr.co.uk. So in these uncertain times, if starting a business could be the right option for you and your family, read the book, join the Facebook group and enjoy the show. Now let's move on to this week's episode. Hello and welcome to episode 39 of the Project Future podcast. My guest this week is Tenny Majekodunmi, the founder of Eclectic Chic. You may remember Tenny was recommended by Agatha and Robbie Appleton Sass in episode 29, so my thanks to them for a wonderful introduction. Tenny founded Eclectic Chic to raise the bar for African products internationally, with a clear focus on developing the craft industry in Nigeria and empowering women whilst doing so. In this conversation, Tenny explains how her business actually started as her own therapy after a family tragedy, her mission to showcase the products of African artisans to the world and to change perceptions along the way, what products she started with and how she gained her first major client, the business's values and why they matter, the impact the platform she's created has had and how she's worked with partners like the International Trade Centre to amplify her influence. And finally, how asking for external help can enable you to progress faster. Tenny's best advice is to start small. Let's have a listen. Hi, Tenny. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Rob, for having me. Hi. Now, I'm delighted to, to speak with you today. And it's, it's always good to have a, a guest with an international perspective on things, because I think it really adds to, to what we can share as as the podcast and indeed as a, for wider global society. So I'd love for you to start by telling us a bit about your background and how you got into starting your business. Great. Thanks so much. Um, I'm a lawyer by profession. I started practicing law in about maybe 16 years ago, 16 years roughly. And um, it was great. You know, my, I also come from a family of lawyers. So my dad is a lawyer and my sister's a lawyer and um, we have a family practice. So that was always the sort of like the norm. Yep. But I always had a flair for creativity and I always enjoyed other types of creative work. And my grandmother was actually very heavily influenced in that, to be honest, because she really taught me how to do a lot of knitting, crochet and craft work. And I still went ahead, finished my law degree, started practicing as a lawyer. Uh, I focused in particular with um, sustainability and uh, climate change in particular, but climate finance as well. So I used to practice as a lawyer, barrister, went to court, and then I, um, I went back to do a master's. But I wanted it to be in something that I enjoyed, and that was really climate change because it was so cutting edge, it was so new, and it, was, it made a lot of sense. And so I went back, did my thesis on the clean development mechanism and how it affects Africa in particular. And then I got a job. I started working with the minister in Nigeria and I moved straight to Abuja, which is a capital. 
I worked there for about two years and I had um, great experience, great knowledge, and I have firsthand, you know, support, especially in terms of making reforms and change and policy. And it was so exciting. I was able to handle some of the negotiations internationally at the COP conferences at UNFCCC, especially in Copenhagen and um, Cancun. So, you know, it was wonderful. I enjoyed that bit. And then I started working with the United Nations uh, Environmental Program, UNEP Rezo, as a consultant after the ministerial uh, position ended for the minister and also the consultant, also the other areas that I was working in Abuja. So I then became a consultant for UNEP and then I started training African lawyers in East Africa and South Africa with the team and on climate change, uh, in particular CDM, carbon credits. And it was a whirlwind, it was amazing. It was fantastic. We were able to record you know, significant results. Uh, then 2010, I got married and I had to settle down. The traveling had to kind of calm down a little bit. And I was still doing a lot of traveling back and forth, but it was, you know, a lot more measured than before. And then in 2012, I had my first child and then a horrible accident happened that literally just devastated my whole family. And it was a terrible tragedy. And this happened in June 2012 and um, basically my sister died. And it was terrible, oh, because it was so unexpected. And um, and I just said, you know, that's it. I'm not doing any of this anymore. I literally just shut down for a very long time. And I looked within and I said I wanted, to, I don't know, it was almost like she, she, I don't know how to explain this, but it was weird. It was like a revelation that came to me. And I really believe that my sister really has a big hand to do with this. And I, I found it eclectic chic. I started Eclectic Sheep properly after that. And it was with everything clicked literally after that happened. And it was to be able to have a social impact, to be able to change. I looked within and what then started as my therapy to cope with what happened turned into a hobby and then turned into a business. Literally, I would start all night and I would start making bangles. I first of all started making necklaces and I was the only staff. And I would do all the products and we started going into other things. And it just grew. I then went from one staff to now we have about 77 artisans that work for the business on contract and also some of them in full time. Um, but literally we took off and we recorded so many milestones in the first year that it was like divine intervention, to be honest. Like every single turn I would, I would turn, every corner I turned, people were willing to help. The right staff came, you know, and as an entrepreneur, it's great to have ideas, but putting it into perspective and also putting it into reality is so difficult because yeah. there's so many moving parts and it was unbelievable how everything came together in such a magnificent way that we were able to really like just take off and that's how the journey started well well i'm, I'm so sorry to hear about your sister yeah but i i see how you made that change and how you decided to, to kind of take that forwards yeah. vicky back on episode 21 um, she lost her father and, and that changed uh, her whole dynamic of, yeah. of what she wanted to do. And, you know, what you've what you've said in terms of, you know, clearly from your earlier career, there was that fascination with climate change and making a social impact. So I absolutely see how you took that step back and thought, OK, what is it that I want to do going forwards with family circumstances as well, of course, you know, being a mother and finding the right solution. So, yeah, all of that seems very kind of clear headed in terms of how you you, you found the answer 
So, so tell me about the first year. You said everything kind of kind of clicked and, and, and went forwards very quickly. So what happened during that the first year that you had the business? Oh, wow, a lot. So first of all, I remember we were like, I was thinking, because like, I would talk to my husband, he'd be like, oh God, you're not going to sleep tonight, are you? I literally was not sleeping for weeks on end. So this was my coping mechanism of how I dealt with my grief and I just continued. And I set up, I knew I wanted to be able to do showcase the best of the talents of artisans in Nigeria and to the world. But I also wanted to change the perception of how African products were viewed internationally. So I didn't want them to be thought of as cheesy or aid related. I wanted to show that it just took a little bit more detail, attention to detail, to make something amazing and world-class and international standard. We would start small with certain types of products because certain products like fashion, clothing would be very difficult and could frustrate a lot of people. So we started with just accessories. But in particular, it was just to be able to make the, the impact and create jobs or using design and to change the lives of people. And I wanted to do it with technology. And then there was no Instagram, there was none of all this uh, social media, but there was websites, yep. there was e-commerce platforms. So I found somebody in the UK who helped me to build an e-commerce platform. He gave me all the codes of how much it was going to cost. It was a lot of money, but I just thought, you know what? I'm going to look for corporate jobs here in Nigeria. And so I pitched to three banks and we got an order for 1,700 iPad cases because that's how we first started. Fantastic. Uh, for one of the products. And they wanted it in their colors, but with the traditional fa fabrics from Nigeria. And we did a sample, we did a design, we got the LPO, we got the order, we got paid. I literally collected the money, converted it to pounds, did the work, submitted the work, converted it to pounds, and then we paid. We had the website built. We had some money left over for 10 months of PR because we knew, okay, fine, even if you do have the website up and running, how are you going to get people to notice? And then it was traditional PR in magazines, and we had some money for 10 months at least. And we just had to make sure we got the best. Our website crashed twice. We got a few celebrities to wear it. The PR company did amazing. I was shocked beyond my wildest dreams that I can't believe this worked. People that we didn't know were buying the products. And we even hadn't even started marketing it to my friends or anybody else. I just made sure we kept on with the, the product. So I was stockpiled just so that the quality control was done at one particular time in the, in the calendar year. And then those products will go to a warehouse in Milton Keynes. And then when people buy on the website, they will get it in two days because it's already in the UK, even though it was produced here. And the packaging, everything that was done, I literally did it sleepless nights. That's how I focused. I zoned in. And I remember the developer and I worked remotely. <laughs> so now that people are being remote work and complaining, we've been doing that for years. I had 5,355 emails between myself and the developer testing every <laughs> possible thing. And it gave me knowledge. I learned so much and I am still learning so much more that I'm now like, people even call me techie. And I'm like, really? I'm a lawyer, not a techie person. But <laughs> because I have spent so much time on every aspect of the business, it's given me the opportunity to also manage things seamlessly. And it's made our processes a lot faster because I've been able to now realize, okay, these are the challenges in this sector, in this department, in this area. How can we make everything smoother and make things faster? 
Absolutely. And and it's a great point because I, I don't think you need to be an expert on everything. Clearly, you're not the developer, but to have an understanding of, of how it works and kind of what goes into it. You know, we you know refurbished a house a few years ago. And although I didn't really get my hands dirty, I saw how the pipework went in. And yeah. so I, I know where all that is in the house, you know, and it's and just just having having clarity on how it all works behind the scenes is so useful, I, I think. And then, you know, as as you've grown, I'm sure handed over a lot of these things. But yeah. just to just to have that knowledge can be so empowering to, to kind of take forward. So, yeah, no, what, what a fantastic thing. So tell me about your values. You've got five core values listed on your website, which I think are so strong and so current as well. Clearly, you've got the focus on climate change and sustainability and things. So I'd love you to share us share what your values are and how important they are for the business. Yeah, it's so funny how people are like, you guys have been doing this since, but it's now looking like it's a trend now. And I'm like, no, we've been here since. So we had to make sure that we reminded people that this is what we've always been saying from the very beginning. So we don't look like imposters and like, (laughs) but I'm so glad that we've always kept those values and we've still kept them on and they are locally sourced, uh, sourced and produced in Africa, which is what we've always done at the beginning. It was 70% or about 60% in Africa and then 30% in South Africa and then other African countries. But we've now literally found, all suppliers in Nigeria, uh, and now it's almost about 70 to 80% in Nigeria, and then the others are from other parts of Africa. Uh, but we locally source everything and produce it here. The second value is our handmade uh, by artisans, and we work with almost 77 different types of artisans now. We have 12 full-time workers in the factory, and then we have the remaining 60, 57 um, contract workers that come in whenever we have uh, big orders. And then we have a female, it's a female owned business, which is myself. I founded this and I'm still running this. And um, upcycle products is the fourth one, uh, fourth value. And we really believe in making use. I, I If there's one thing I hate, it's waste. And even as a mom, <laughs> it transcends yeah. to every part of my life. We do not care. <laughs> Literally, there's something we can either use it for compost, for gardening. We can always repurpose something. I'm always repurposing. And it goes even into the factory and the, even the people we hire. So even when we have to change some staff, like the supervisor or the production manager, I have like conversations with them and I know the kind of person they are just by talking. So if I, if I sense that they have the ability to repurpose and to be resourceful in their thinking, it's definitely a way we test when we're hiring. And that's because uh, the supervisor and especially the quality control person has to be able to make use of whatever waste is left to be able to produce other products. And there's certain products we have in our uh, chart sheets that we use only offcuts to use to make them. Certain products like our pocket squares, uh, they are used from offcuts from the dresses or the caftans have to be used to make pocket squares. Uh, same thing as our brooches, our hand brooches. There's a part in the petal of the brooches that we use leftover pieces to create. So there's no waste. It's like, and we put it together to create something unique. And that really helps uh, to, you know, make our our customers love that bit and it also gives us a sense of like feng shui in a way because we're not yep. really getting rid of anything well, we are but we're decluttering but in a good way and um, the last one is no water usage uh, that's also something very clear about how we operate and um, 
we used a little bit of renewable energies as well in this regard in our factory. And then another thing that we started doing is we tested it out with the solar panels to be able to reduce the wastage of um, fuels. And because uh, in Africa, you have to use a generator a lot of the time. Uh, but when we charge the solar panels, we don't need to put on so much uh, diesel, get diesel into the generator to power the electricity in the, in the factory. But what we then do is uh, we do the solar panels. But in addition to that, we don't have air conditioning in the, on the factory floor. It's fans. And the fans have been amazing for our, our budgets, really, because we have a lot more fans, but it still does not take as much as an air conditioner would. So we've been sustainable in that regard and use more of, I don't say it's renewable, really, but it's more sustainable way of living and also producing a production, really. Yeah, absolutely. And all five of those values, you know, the, the sustainability aspects of it, how that builds into the brand. And, and, and I love what you said about the when you're speaking about how everything's upcycled as, as much as you can, you know, and, and bringing in staff and that culture and building that. It must make things so strong within the business itself, but then also when it comes to selling and it, and it comes to, you know, getting clients on board that that are buying into that. I'm sure a lot of, uh, as much as they're buying into the products, they're buying into the ethos behind it. Exactly. So, no, it's, it's brilliant yeah. stuff. And and the artisans that you work with, you say that 12 full-time and then many others who who, who come in for, for bigger bigger projects. What difference has it made for them to have the platform that you've provided and to, to be able to give them the, the scale and the opportunity? You know, what, what difference has that made for them? Huge. We did a sustainability audit a few months ago about, no, actually, about a few years ago now, we need to do another one soon. And basically we were realizing that one wholesale order we got from the U.S., because we do a lot of wholesale uh, to the U.S., it was able to touch on about 555 people. Uh, families were touched by just one wholesale order. Wow. So they really look forward to whenever we call them for our bigger jobs because the impact is tremendous. They get to do more and they get to work uh, and earn more money for their families. So it's it's been, a, it's been amazing. And it's nice to see the growth that is happening. And when they even come back and report and tell us, listen, we need this work. And we, we've, we see the value the work is bringing to just not us, but even our communities where we're coming from. And they enjoy it. So it's been, you know, it's been a win-win for everyone. And that's one thing I really love when that happens because it's value for somebody else. It's value for us and it's value for the environment as well. So yeah, and absolutely. Country, that's quite key as well to our SDG goals. We're trying to. Yeah. No, I love it. And it, it must help keep the traditional you know, craft alive in many respects as well. Yeah. It's like, you know, our, my wife's Vietnamese, so we've got family over there and we've we've been to, you know, sort of craft villages and all these things. And you, you see how it operates and how, how important it is for, you know, such quality craftsmanship to, to, to have an outlet effectively. So, yeah, I absolutely see the value of that. And, you know, what an incredible thing to be able to impact 550 families with one order. Yeah. You know, that's what a great thing. So what's the next steps for you? How do you see Electric Chic? Uh, going forwards, effectively? Well, going forward, we want to just be able to solidify a lot of our projects that we work. We have a lot of international partners that have really supported and you know helped us in the past to grow and promote a lot of what of our ethos is. Uh, and we're just hoping to strengthen those, be in a lot more continents, definitely, 
because uh, yeah. that's one of the main short-term goals that we've been working on. By the end of this year, we want to be in about 100 more locations, um, hopefully by the end of this year or to next year. So we have a big challenge because it's our 10-year anniversary coming up in a few months, and um, we need to be able to have some really great milestones for that. Yeah. Fantastic. It's always nice to have a milestone, isn't it? It's something yeah. to, to to work around and to, to have a goal associated with it. So you know, fantastic stuff. And I know that you work with the International Trade Centre. So I wonder if you could tell us a bit about that for, for listeners that might not be aware of it and where you come in to it and, and the opportunity that that's provided as well. So, for instance, I'm even going to do a little bit of a backstory for that. It's so strange how she trades and, you know, the ITC um, in 2015, I we worked closely with our Nigerian Export Promotion Government uh, Council (NEPC), and that's how I got to meet, um, know about International Trade Center in particular. So they had like a conference in Brazil, but this was just on coffee and services, and I was highly encouraged to you know to join in with the delegation that was going from Nigeria. So I thought, wow, okay, this is a huge investment. One, I've never been to Brazil, so it'd be great to do that. But I don't know, it's quite, you know, it's, it's a huge ticket. I don't think I've ever bought a ticket that expensive in my whole life <laughs> from Nigeria. And that's because it used to be, there used to be a direct flight to Brazil from Nigeria years ago, but they canceled that. So it took 21 hours to get there and you had to go from, you know, several areas. Anyway, my husband said, listen, you're going to regret it. I know you, you're going to be biting yourself. So just go. And I thought, okay, fine. I joined the delegation. I raised the money and I, I you know, made, bought my ticket. I got on the plane off there. It was the best experience of my whole life. I could not, I was so thankful to my husband that he encouraged me to push and to go. That's not awesome. only did I get to meet, I got to also get new inspiration for new collections. I got to meet new partners. I got to meet um, the whole She Trade team. And sometimes when you have these beliefs and you don't know about other international organizations that, you know, that are looking for companies like mine, you you start to believe that maybe I am a bit far-fetched with my thoughts. But when you then meet somebody who literally is speaking your language and it's been so rare that that has happened, you almost are like, so you can't believe this is happening. And that's what happened at that conference. They literally said everything I believed in. And, you know, they were the yin to my yank. And yep. that's how the relationship started. Little did I know that I was also being vetted and watched. <laughs> and <laughs> five years down the line, we've, you know, our partnership has grown stronger and stronger. They've supported Eclectic Sheets tremendously, taking us to trade shows, being at, you know, several, exposing us to access to markets, all the research and all the, all the questions we ever had or all the challenges we had, they were able to, to either help us to resolve them or support us to find ways to resolve them and no joke it was fantastic the journey with them that um, in 2019 I was then approached that would you like to this opportunity is available we're looking for consultants that will be able to work with us and to head certain departments in our countries that we're working with and in particular textile and apparel we've seen how you've grown your business from start to, to this and we we are keen to support you to help other women access, you know, this type of international support and market that you have done. And I was like, wow, this is fantastic. I would love to because my business has grown. This is actually the perfect time 
it's grown to the point where I am either looking at not necessarily an exit strategy, but I am now finding myself and developing my personal brand as, as an, as an individual. And even as not only as a CEO or founder, but this is like the perfect way for me to still be in the system, help others and grow or I don't know if you call it like a bigger symbiotic type of relationship you know (laughs) grow a bigger circle and help others and also be relevant and that was you know the perfect icing on the cake and since then it's been fantastic I had to coach uh, almost 500 women-owned businesses between 20 the whole of 2020 and a little bit of 2021 and helping them to access international markets and the reviews have been you know phenomenal and it's also being able to see the challenges before others can, because when you're in it as a business owner, you can't really see a lot of these issues or you can't see the wood for the trees. But it was so good for me to be able to come in and see where the challenges were, what exactly they needed to be doing right. And they frog leaped or frog leapt. I don't remember the right word, but they had to frog jump a lot of challenges that I did because I could help resolve certain things and prevent them from going through these uh, obstacles. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I do. And and, and it's fantastic as well, isn't it? And, you know, getting to the stage where you're able to to give something back and to be able to share share your knowledge, pass things on and help people overcome obstacles quicker. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that's such a great place to be. And what an outlet you found as well in order to be able to do that. And and to, to make such an impact in 2020 of all years, know. you know, which is which is such a, a a challenging year all over the world, is uh, yeah a, a wonderful thing. And is that is that a long term thing for you? Do you do you see that continuing in terms of the yes. your work there? Yes, definitely. Um, I am still heavily involved in a lot of other departments within the ITC and also with other international partners that I used to work closely with, like uh, Unido and. Um, ADB, African Development Bank as well, because it's been so nice to be able to test it, uh, experiment, test and, you know, and succeed really, that there's no better testament to that if, you know, if you know what I mean, to be able to then carry it on to other partners and also just move along and get more and more women and some men to access international markets and increase their business uh, return on investments. Yeah, and the the impact on society. I say you, you speak about the five hundred fifty families with one one order, but look how that's scaling, you know, and and the the impact that 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 you can have that you know you won't be aware of most of it, I'm sure, you know. But the the things that's going on in the background, it's uh, it's yeah, such a such a great thing to hear about. So no, fabulous stuff. So thank you so much for sharing your story and what what it is that you're doing. And I think it's a it's a fabulous example of of what can be achieved and and the opportunities that are out there globally so it's a, it's a wonderful thing uh, b- before you go there's four questions that i ask every guest on the show so i'd love to know what your best advice is for somebody thinking about starting a business today some people may be against this but i really believe in starting small and i have done that with my business and i have seen the value of that it de-risks a lot of things because you will make mistakes Um, So one of the main things I would say is start small, but always be accountable for whatever it is you put in. If you are looking to start a business of five, I don't know, start with either 500 pounds or 250 pounds and measure how long it takes you to either make that money back 
and see how well you can then either tweak it to improve and start small and just never give up. Staying power is so important because I've had so many friends who started businesses when they saw how I did it, but they were not either willing to put in the much, as much work, but remember that it's a lot of work, but you have to be really passionate about it. And it has to be something that you truly love and believe because on those days when the chips are down, <laughs> you yep. will need that interest to take you on to continue. And I think that's one of the main things that I would say, but if you start small and just grow it gradually and remember to just have staying power and to always assess after a couple of months, I think that's one of the main things that I have learned. Yeah, it's a great point. And and starting small means that you can prove the model quickly as well. You can get to market quickly and, and prove the model. I saw a post on LinkedIn not so long ago and it had a picture of some kids with a lemonade stall, you know, outside the shop, that kind of classic American image of a, you know, a big front front yard and all that kind of stuff. And I, I can't remember who posted it, unfortunately, but they they said like these kids will make more than, you know, X percent of of, of businesses because they're ready to go to market quickly and mm. you know and it, it really made me think it's like yeah it's it's so true isn't it and you can you can spend months kind of developing a concept and then it can turn out that nobody wants to buy it so to, to be able to prove your market quickly and and then develop because the 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 thought process will grow and the more kind of feedback you get from the market and the more you learn about yeah. your products and what you're getting into so yes, to be able to sell something quickly or try and sell something quickly is is a really exceptional piece of advice. So, what do you know now uh, that you wish you knew back in twenty twelve when you started Eclectic Chic? Oh wow, that's a good one. <laughs> worry less. I used to spend a lot of time worrying. Jeez, <laughs> but I don't do that as much. But I think that's one thing I'll tell my younger me is. Just stay focused, one. Two, those inner voices that, you know, or they call it your vital voice, listen to it, listen to her <laughs> a lot more than you. Yeah, those two things. Yeah, yeah no, fantastic. Yeah, again, I, I think it's it, it can be, there's, there's a lot of doubt, isn't there? There's always doubt, especially yeah. when there's unknowns and you're, you're doing something for the first time. So, so yeah, I, th I think to... You know, a couple of other guests have said about enjoying the journey and the process yeah. around it. And, and yeah, I, I think there has to be an element of, of that and, and realizing what the, what the kind of bigger picture is. You know, I, I remember back when I was employed many years ago, somebody said to me, only worry about something when someone's told you you need to worry. You know, it's like if you've if you think you've gone through a speed camera or something like that, but you're not sure, it's like, don't worry about it until you get the ticket through. It's just not worth the not worth the stress, you know, in between times. So, uh, yeah, no, really good point. I think I'd like to add something you just said, which is enjoying the process, enjoy the journey. And I'm starting yep. to do a lot more of that now, but um, I didn't do as much before because now and taking time to reflect is also very important. And that, I think COVID has taught everybody that <laughs> because there's so much more time now to do that. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And and reflection, you know, as, as a project manager, it's like building in those reviews and, and, and building in that reflection time can be can be so key because we're all 
going so fast you know as you say about the people that you're supporting now and that you're you're able to see the challenges uh, before they can effectively i i think for, for any business owner if, uh, taking that step back you know whether that's half an hour at a set time in the week or you know once a month to have half a day or whatever it may be to to take a step back and reflect and go okay what's gone well what's not gone so well you know what can we do differently um i think i think it's, it's okay to helping to drive progress so yeah uh, brilliant stuff and is there a resource, uh, so a book, a podcast, a blog, um, either in your industry uh, or, you know, more widely that you'd, you'd recommend? Gosh, there's so many. I'm trying to see. <laughs> um, I can't remember the exact name because I'm not really good at remembering the titles. But there was a podcast I listened to. There's a group called Albright and it's a women's group. And it's, I don't know if you know it. But I, guess I do. One. My wife's a member. Yeah. Oh, yeah. really? Great. I'm a yeah. member as well. And <laughs> I'm actually one of the ambassadors now. Oh, wow. and, um, yeah, they reached out because of they saw my page on Instagram and how it was everything it was like the yin to the yang type of situation, uh, similar ethos. But there was a podcast I listened to on there and it was about, it was, I think it was Emily Blunt and an actress and a business owner. And it stuck with me for so long, just being able to take in the moment, enjoy the journey and just relax. So that was one of the podcasts that I listened to of late that I liked. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, to be honest. I, I read books more. And um, there's this book I'm reading now about Tiger Mom. It's called Tiger Mom. Something, something Tiger Moms. I'll send you the name later. But it's about this Asian woman who grew up in America. And she's talking about the differences between child rearing with Asian parents and American parents. And she did like a comparison. And this book is so important. It's like, I'm seeing so, I'm learning so much from it. And it's all about child raising, by the way. So, and that's because that's the stage I'm in now in my life with my kids. I've got three kids and they're all different ages. And um, parenting alone is becoming like, I don't understand how my mom had four kids. But I'm learning so much more and I'm learning so much from this book. And I hope to finish it soon if I have the time, if I can find the time to just allocate to reading. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we've got two and, you know, I, I can't, you know, I'm, I feel I'm incredibly grateful to have, have two wonderful kids, but I, I can't imagine having any more uh, <laughs> at all. So we had our third four years ago and whoa, and it was, it's a girl. I had two boys at first and then now I have a girl. And it's like a completely different, we've been thrown into another place because we didn't realize it was going to be like this. <laughs> so yeah. um, boys are really different from girls and we're learning a lot on the journey and even just how they gang up against you sometimes. And it's <laughs> too, so it's not really even anymore. It's clear now that something's changed in our dynamic, but it's brilliant because we're loving every day. There's something new every day. Yeah, but being absolutely. able to manage and parent and you know still balance it all sometimes is you know every parent says this anyway it's, it's challenging yeah so and the, the balancing act is is so so key and, and so my wife spends a lot of evenings kind of up here in the office where i am at the moment and you know because that's the that's the time in the day that you know she has to work effectively and you know it's, it's about balancing things as, as best as we possibly can so, no, brilliant stuff um is there a guest that you'd recommend for a future episode of the show thinking of somebody her name is pat patricia Ajora. And yeah, she's, you know, she's quite inspirational in terms of her business. 
She's been used as a case study in Nigeria for a lot of the business schools here. And um, she's somebody that I really admire. Great recommendation. Thank you. And just finally, uh, if people want to find out more about you and about Eclectic Chic, where should they go and what should they do? So um, my Instagram page is at Eclectic Chic. So that's E-C-L-E-C-T-I-C-C-H-I-Q-U-E. Tongue twister, I know. And my it's a great name. <laughs> my thank you. My personal <laughs> profile page on Instagram is Tenyoyem. So that's T E N I O Y E M. And that's on Instagram. And our website is myeclecticsheet.com. And um, yeah, once you go to the website, you see everything. But our Instagram is also quite interesting. So you may want to check that out first and then see everything else from our link in the bio. Fantastic. Okay, well, thank you so much, Tenny. It's been absolutely wonderful speaking with you today. And I wish you every success with everything you're doing going forwards. Thank you so much, Rob. This has been really nice. I'm so glad I, I did this and I you know, reached out and we made it happen. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. There was so much good stuff there, so let's move on to my top three takeaways. Firstly, Tenny makes a great point about starting with simpler products, in her case, the accessories which indeed she followed up on when discussing her best advice, which was to start small. This allowed her proposition to be understood quickly by prospective clients, but more importantly, enabled her to get to market quickly and to find out if there was an audience for what she was looking to sell. That early momentum is so vital, and this is an excellent example of exactly that. Thinking back to another product business we've had on the show, episode 23 with Ash and Kat Springle is another great example of how business can be both simple and effective. Secondly, the five values her business is based on provide such a strong foundation and explain to everyone what her business is about and what it stands for. This plays a key part in attracting the right customers, but also the right staff and partners, and will continue to ensure the business keeps her personality embedded within it, even as she moves on and has less involvement in the day-to-day side of the business. So I think that's a really great example of how you can stay in control even as your business grows. Finally, the impact the platform she's built has had. To think one order can positively benefit over 550 families is remarkable and shows the opportunity that we all have as entrepreneurs to make a positive difference, both in society and to the wider environment around us. I applaud her vision and what she's been able to achieve and indeed how she's now scaling it through platforms like the ITC. As a non-tech founder, Tenny spoke about the need to get heavily involved in the tech side, which almost every business relies on these days. Next week's guest is Sophia Matveva, the founder of Tech for Non-Techies, and that both builds on this and reinforces so much of the good work that Tenny's done. So subscribe now and find an hour in your diary for it next week. Thank you for listening. Until next time, keep launching and building those amazing businesses that give you satisfaction and balance.